2: The sermon you're about to hear today was preached way back in 1974 at the annual camp meeting held at God's Bible School and College in Cincinnati, Ohio. It's by the late P.O. Carpenter, and it's titled, Following Holiness. This is a wonderful message, and I know you're going to enjoy it.
0: Keep it on. Keep passing it on.
2: we were together over in the east in the great old Sunbury camp, he saw one, over 100,000 people at the mourner's bench. Amen. Thank you, brother. glad I've got one amen. Yes. We get excited about a lot of other things, but after all, ladies and gentlemen, this business of saving souls. That's our only excuse for operating a school like this. We've heard that time and again. We deeply appreciate Brother Flexen's leadership, his friendship. I've preached with him in camp meetings and have always found him not only a great preacher, but a great saint and a great soul winner. You're fortunate to have him. You better be good to him. If you're not, I'm going to pray out loud for you. Now, if I may have further a moment of personal privilege to express my thanks to you for allowing me to come this way, Dr. Dietz, you and the faculty, the board. It's been a joy, been a delight, been a pleasure, it's been a battle, but uh, after all, you wouldn't expect a fellow from Kentucky to enjoy anything else but a fight. I used to get amused at some of those Kentucky preachers that seemed to whip everybody. I often wondered why they ever left Kentucky to get soldiers. But knowing some of those fellows, I happen to know that uh, if you'd put a lightning bug on the end of a corn cob, you could run some of them out of the county. And you're looking at one preacher that I don't remember ever whipping anybody. Anybody. Oh, I've tried, but I was a miserable failure. It's been a delight to be here in this great battle. With Dr. Lawrence Hicks, Dr. Wingrove Taylor, as you know, are men of the cloth, genuine, all wool and a yard wide. God bless them. It's worth every dollar that it takes to operate this camp meeting which I understand about $1,000 a day, if not a single person is converted. I knew it was going to get quiet there. You know why I say that? To prove to this wicked old city and uh, the great state of Ohio and all the other states that are represented here and the rest of them throwed in that a great group of a holiness people from different denominations can have a 10-day feast without having a fuss. Let's stand to our feet now just a moment and give him a wave offering, Jesus Christ. Come on, get him up. Get him up. Get him up high. Wave him good. Now sit down just as quick as you got up. Thank you very much. I shall not keep you long. It isn't necessary. But I want to go this afternoon to what I think perhaps is the most oft-used verse, that is quoted at least, on holiness, Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men, and the holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Not, on, not only are we to follow peace, work at the job. And I think if there was a little more cultivation along this line, we'd have far less splits, and I don't want to get off on that. But we are to follow holiness. Not only not only come to the mourner's bench and experience a definite, dynamic, enjoyable, workable experience, but we are to follow, continue in this thing. I hope that some of you have been seeking so often, long and loud and late. Well, I've gotten your feet down until if you come back to camp meeting next year, that you won't have to come to this altar to be sanctified or to be reclaimed. But you will have developed this year until you'll come back on this hilltop a shining stalwart, saint of God, established, settled, far too often. It could be by or comes from our instruction, our tutoring, our teaching, that when one is gloriously converted and powerfully sanctified, they have arrived. They've received their cap and gown, their diploma. Oh, no. No. That's just the beginning. Go on and on and on and on, following holiness. Four things I'd like to share with you in perhaps the next 15 or 20 minutes. Now, don't look at me that way. I think I can get stopped that quick. I doubt seriously if my friend Bond Kraus could. <laughs> but I believe I can. And I'm going to, I'm going to use the golden rule If I was sitting down there and look as tired as some of you, I wouldn't want somebody up here preaching for an hour, 45 minutes, so I'm going to practice the golden rule. The first heart cry for holiness is the heart cry of a young Christian. I quote Seth Reese again. He said, I spend but very little time in prodding or pleading or teasing or tantalizing individuals who have been genuinely and powerfully and joyously and knowingly and gloriously and scripturally and biblically converted. All of that and more. We don't have to lower the standard of holiness to preach the new birth. It's a tremendous experience to be born again to be forgiven, recreated, lifted out of the quagmires of sin and darkness up to the high planes of forgiveness. And after one reaches that point and then walks in all the light that God sheds on their path, you don't have to spend a lot of time in high pressuring, and putting uh, uh, abnormal tests to get that individual to seek holiness. There is created within them a desire, a thirst, a hunger for all that God has for them. They may not understand it. I don't either. And I doubt that these theologues fully and completely understand how that God can take a high-tempered heart to get along uh, a Kentuckian and shake the devil out of him and clean him up and clean him out and wash him and sanctify him. <laughs> but he can. And he can do a work in, you, in your heart too. So it is the heart cry of the young Christian. Not only in camp meeting, not only in revivals, but it's an every day, every hour Oh, God, give me a clean heart. Sanctify me through and through. Enough on that point. Just a mere introduction to it. But the second heart cry for holiness is it is the battle cry of the sanctified warrior. We're in a fight. If you get the distorted notion and idea that to be sanctified holy, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, that you're sort of a, a cream puff and uh, don't have any stand-upness in you, you're mistaken. For it's been proven over and over that the sanctified warriors, <laughs> hallelujah, has outlived rotten eggs, and tomatoes, and long tongues, hot tongues, and cold shoulders, and slap salad. And some of them have even been voted out, but they kept the blessing. It is the battle cry. We're not in just a little skirmish. We're in a fight. We're in a battle. The opposing powers of hell, if you please, are not confined behind the dark, rusty gates of damnation. But they have aligned themselves up here, if you please, above us, principalities and powers and wicked spirits, and they will oppose you. But thank God for those warriors that stand up and go through. Many of them have battle scars, sure. Many of them have heartbreaks. Many of them soak their pillow at night with their tears, but give up? No, we're in the fight. And it's going to take more than an ambly-pambly rose water, talcum powder, kid glove, sawdust trail, pitcher pump, mental ascent, watered down, worldly holiness group to dampen our zeal. We're going forward on the old-fashioned lines, aren't we? Hallelujah. I'm half-blessed right now. I may not get through in 15 minutes. For scriptural examples to this, look at John the Baptist, that old rugged, fearless preacher that was opposed on every hand and finally sealed his testimony with his own blood. Listen to him. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. And 11. Those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea. saying, repent. That has a ring to it. This turn over a new leaf. This, uh, this mental ascent to religion, you know. This shaking hands of the preacher and being baptized. Hear this rugged preacher, repent, ye. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that cometh after me, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You know that's what we need? I would to God that some of our holiness colleges would have a revival like John the Baptist was preaching about. Holy Why, it would it would scare some professors half to death. Yes, it would. Keep the fire on this hilltop. Keep the standard up. The apostle Peter, that rugged, fearless fisherman, listened to him. Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, But this is that." which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And uh, as far as I know, there were 3,000 converted. I don't know how many was at the altar, but what a meeting the cringing, cowardly, denying Peter, standing up on the street corner of Jerusalem and thundering out, if you please. This is that, and it is still that. I wish you to preached that message here. This is that. Maybe I'll just give you this mic and let you preach it. I see. Look at Paul. Listen to it. Standing there with the shackles, chains about his wrists, the deep scars from beatings on his back, and the ugly scars about his face from the stones, as he stands there in the presence of that old wicked monarch that had no doubt on his face a smirk of a grin. All right, sir, you can speak. And Paul gave three clear, ringing Testimonies in the Acts of the Apostles. And I quote from the last one, chapter 26, verses 18 and 9. What is your business, Paul? We've heard of the duties and the responsibilities of one of the holiness movement's great soldiers. Paul, what is your business? What is your business? He said to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan under God that they may receive forgiveness of sins, comma, conjunction and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith, that is in me, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. He sounded the battle cry from the peasants' quarters to the palace. Blessed be God. I believe it was Polycarp, was it not, who said, I saw John, the beloved. They had placed him in that vat of oil, spitting and spewing oil and shouting holiness. They tried to boil it out of John, but they couldn't. Then they tried to make an isolationist out of him. You can't isolate a sanctified person. He or she will come up for air somewhere. They'll start a fire somewhere. Hallelujah. I reminded you the other day, I think, some folk, well, I, I, I just had to come to Camp meeting. Our church is so dead and so dry. I just had to come over there and get filled up. Well, I hope you did. And I hope you'll go back there to that stubble field and set it on fire. Amen. Amen. They isolated him or tried to with well, that, that old cold, dry, coral island. But take a look at him. And he said uh, he got in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Some folk can't get out of bed. <laughs> and the reason of it is they uh, sit up too late to watch the midnight show. Now, you didn't think that was in me. It isn't. It's out. (laughs) Look. Well, he picks up his pen and gives us a final word under divine inspiration. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Isolated, yes, but writing about holiness. It's the battle cry. George Fox preached holiness until he shook, and they called him a Quaker. That's where your folks started from, they tell you. I wish some, we could get some Quakers in the Wesleyan church. Amen. Now, come on, you Wesleyans, don't dry up on me. John Wesley... Fletcher, Godby, many others are samples of men who stood up in this great battle for Bible holiness. Seth Reese preaching in the old Pitman Grove, New Jersey camp meeting, just a while before that great encampment began to die. And you know why it did? They opposed Reese's preaching and told him they didn't want that kind of preaching and I believe led him from the encampment. But that afternoon, Sunday afternoon, the only time the old warrior saint was ever shouted off his feet, he was preaching and the blessed Holy Ghost fell in unison on that crowd and 2,000 people started to the mourner's bench and were slain all over that place. Down here in the old Cane Ridge Revival, in the hills of Kentucky, there were different services when the Holy Ghost came in an unusual way and no one got off of the ground without being slain by the Spirit. We're a little bit tame even here. And some of these folks, you know, that's so hot they can't get along with anybody started something of their own and you're not quite as hot maybe as you think you are now you'll have to like me or the devil will get you if you happen to be here amen oh I'd like to go on but my 15 minutes will soon be up again it is the triumphant cry of the dying saint hallelujah you ever watch a saint die? I stood by the side of three saints, watched them go to heaven in 1972. One of them, Brother Slusher, Dr. Hicks, Uncle Charlie, one of the best. I stood and watched that old saint, and in that moment, when... Death actually and really struck, there was the distortion of that precious face. But it didn't last but just a few seconds. And then, believe it or not, there was a smile broke across. And I said to the weeping family, Uncle Charlie, no doubt, has just seen Jesus. I stood by my pastor. He died by inches with cancer. I sat with him from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3. I watched the breath get shorter and shorter and shorter. And actually the last breathing that I could detect was no further down than right here. And then again, that stripe, that sting, and that precious face was distorted. And then again, there was a smile broke across that face, and I said to his widow, Brother Fleming, he was a cousin to John and Bona, Brother Fleming. Has just seen Jesus, no doubt. Uh, yeah. Say, I'm talking to someone here this afternoon that between now and the dedicatorial service of this new building, you perhaps will have seen Jesus. Triumphant cry. Stephen is a good example, but he being full of the Holy Ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. The triumphant cry of the dying saint. How you getting along, Paul? Oh, I'm writing away. I'm writing that they bring my cloak, and I, I want my parchment, and I want my books. Demas has run off. He fell in love with the world, and he's gone. And I've sent Luke over here the whole missionary meeting, and I'd like for you to bring... And I say, but Paul, now just a minute. Look, right out there is the chopper's block. There's the guillotine. They're going to get your head tomorrow. And I see him as he pulls that stoop out of his shoulder and brushes a gray lock back. And he said, I am ready for it. (laughs) I am ready. Blessed be God. I fought a good fight. I've finished my course, and I haven't backslid. I've kept the faith. Look, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but all of those who love his appearance. He looked over the top of the chopper's block, and a guillotine and saw a crown. And when the battle's over, we'll wear a crown. Alfred Cookman said, I'm sweeping through the gates, washed in the blood of the Lamb. Top lady said, The sky is clear. There is no cloud. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Someone stooped over and whispered to Catherine Booth, Sister Booth, Is the water deep? I don't know. I'm not going under. I'm going over. Al <laughs> Moody is dying. His wife is sitting there, and the te- tears trickling down over her cheeks. And that old eagle eyed evangelist sobbed. And he said, Mrs. Moody, don't weep. Why, this is my great, grand, glorious coronation day. Sing, Mrs. Moody. What do you want me to sing, I? Sing, oh, angel band. Come around me, stand, and carry my soul away to the glory land. The triumphant cry of the dying saint. And of course, John Whistler said, the best of all is God is with us. Lastly, it is the eternal cry of the immortal soul it's interesting, isn't it, to hear folk tell us what we're going to do when we get to heaven. I'll be frank with you. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think I know, but I doubt if I will. I hear somebody, oh, I'm going, I'm going to bathe my feet in the river of life. I may join you. Someone said, I, I, I'm going to pick the fruit off of the tree of a... I may join But I know this, that throughout the eons of the eons of eternity, we're going to become further knowledgeable about this great experience of full salvation. Amen. Hallelujah. Pardon a personal testimony, for perhaps I may never be back. 24th night of August. If I live that to that day. This year, fifty years ago, I kneeled at a little old improvised mourner's bench in second handed straw, bare legged and barefooted. I didn't know much about praying. I'd been a good boy, but I was glad nobody told me that. Too many people gather around the seeker and say, Now, honey, you were good and and you're like just Tell them they're mean as the devil. Oh, but my little girl listen. Yes, she is. She's got carnality in there. Now, don't look at me right, like that back there. <laughs> and I, I suspect if you'd have came around Dr. Dietz and said, Listen, P.O., you committed murder. I'd have said, I, I put it down there. I felt like it. Conviction. Conviction. I never smoked a cigarette. I never drank liquor of any kind. So Many young people say, Look, look, Carpenter, what you've missed, that's what I want you to. Amen. Before I went into surgery, you know, they searched around here with that peculiar-looking instrument. And finally he said, Say, You've never smoked, have you? And I said, No, sir. You've never drank, no, sir not a man or woman on top of God's earth or under it that can lay their finger on my character. But I was a sinner. I felt like I was going to hell. And thank God Jesus Christ took my case and he took us right up to the highest tribute, heaven and earth. And he came back with a pardon. And I started that night I walked out from under that old moss-covered tabernacle. You could see the stars through the roof of it. (laughs) Richer than the nabobs of Wall Street. And I started following holiness. I had a battle. I fought with carnality. I had my ups and downs and in and outs and a lot of times more downs and ups. But one day, That old incorrigible rebel died. He was excommunicated. He was eradicated. He was crucified. Hallelujah. And this afternoon at, if that clock's right, seven minutes until four o'clock, I'm following holiness, and I've got around to God's Bible school the last Sunday afternoon in this great camp, following holiness. And I'm going right on, by the grace of God, either to the rapture or to death, following holiness. And then one of these days, the gates will open. And while an archipelago choir of angels that have been in audition for millenniums (laughs) will sing, the saints will go marching in. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And throughout eternity, we're going to follow holiness, up and down and in and out. Blessed be God. I close with a quote from the late Dr. E. Stanley Jones. Stepping on shore and finding it heaven. Think of taking hold of a hand and finding it God's hand. Think of breathing new air and finding it celestial air. Think of feeling invigorated and finding it immortality. Think of passing from storm and tempest to an unknown calm Think of walking up and finding it home. I don't want to take
0: for granted the heritage of holiness that has been passed on. It's been past I don't want